Welcome to the Mind and Matter podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter and how transforming your mind can change the world around you. There'll be no peace. There'll be no peace. There'll be no peace. Until there's justice. Until there's justice. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Mind and Matter podcast. My name is Jeremy Jones, and I'm joined, as always, with Hannah Macias. All right, guys. So today we've got some amazing things to talk about. High-functioning racism. Uh, <laughs> it's not funny. Go, you're just going right in. It's not funny. <laughs> you just right into that well, i thought you were gonna just do a soft opening you just no no we got we, we got some fire to spit today yeah, we've got some like we got some fastballs that we need to throw today in. okay all right and so but okay you know what we'll to to stick with tradition before okay, we go okay. dive straight into the topic Good. we'll do a few uh we'll do a few questions we'll do a few uh back and forth yeah i like it Let's okay it. so hannah we're gonna play a game okay and the game is make the other person laugh okay each of us will tell today okay each of us will tell three jokes that we have pre-selected yes i'm ready and if you make the other person laugh at all you get a point okay two out of three wins okay or if we tie then whatever so all right but do you want to go first you want me to go first i feel like i need to go i'm in a really giggling mood so you have a high advantage so i'm gonna go first go for it Okay. <clears throat> oh, that one I'm going to save. That's the big one. Hold on. I got to start off easy here. Uh, did you hear about the actor who fell through the floorboards? No. <laughs> he was just going through a stage. <laughs> he was just going through a stage. Okay. 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 I just relate personally to that one. Okay. Go ahead. What do you call an espresso with a cold? Oh no. What? Coffee. Okay, that's a good one. Okay. That was a good okay. One. I it's right now we're gonna say zero zero. Okay. Um <clears throat> knock knock. Who's there? Control freak. Control freak. Okay, now you say control <laughs> freak. <laughs> that actually was good. I like that one. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Um So I got one? You got one. Okay. okay. As a musician, I'm hoping you appreciate this. Okay. What did the drummer name his twin daughters? Ooh, what? Anna one, Anna two. <laughs> okay, that was a good one. All right, I get a point. I that get was a, a good point. One. I should have done this one for. Okay, okay. <clears throat> I invented a new word. What is the word? Plagiarism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> the stupidity of these jokes are, are the funniest part. Okay, oh, okay. Man. This is your last one, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah, definitely okay. two for three. Okay, okay, go ahead. What did Master Yoda say when he saw himself on a 4K TV? What? HDMI. No, I don't get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, what did Master Yoda say? Like okay. Yoda from Star Wars. Yoda from Star Wars. Oh, when this he is going to when he saw himself on a 4K TV, like a, a high-definition television. Oh, I get it! I get it! I 
HDMI. Just go to HDMI. Yes. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, that's but you didn't really laugh. Okay. Because I didn't get it, but it, I get it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's good. All right. I so win. you win. You win for yeah. sure. Okay, so Hannah, we're coming in hot today. We've got we're a topic that you coined a phrase uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're like, oh, we've got to talk about this. I Googled it. I couldn't find uh, some obvious examples, so I'm going to give you credit for it. Okay. You coined the term and the phrase high-functioning racism. Wow. I think and it was actually you. Uh, I think I brought up a situation. Okay. And then you were like, oh, so you're basically telling me it's like a high-functioning racist. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was you. It was you. I okay. just gave you the example. Fair enough. Fair. Okay. Okay. You get credit. Collectively. Collectively. collectively we, we came, came up, up with this, this term. Yeah. Now we're gonna get a we're gonna get an email after this episode yeah. drops, like two days later. It's like <laughs> actually, here's my 700 page book that I wrote <laughs> entitled "High Functioning Racism." Oh, that's great. But, no. So I love it. we were talking about this concept and this idea, and we're gonna explore it through mm-hmm. the uh, throughout this podcast yes. because one, as people who follow Jesus and people in the church, like. I think this might be something that helps explain so much of some of the issues we see, some of the problems we see. Yeah. And we're just going to go ahead and dive in. So when you, when we were talking about this idea and this concept, high-functioning yes. racism, yes. what are we talking about? What is the phrase? Yeah. Yeah, like explain? What does it mean? Yeah. Well, let me, I'm going to use a little context if I sure, can. Sure, go ahead. Of like the go conversation because I think that'll help. So we were kind of talking about, and honestly, this is something that, I had been reflecting on it personally and then I brought it to you and a couple other friends and we were all disagreeing like, oh yeah, like this is something that we're seeing like even within our own community. So I think it's so easy for us to look at the South or like places, you know, in other countries or even in other parts of America where we're like, there is so much stark history of you know, explicit and like in your face racism. Like you can drive down a whole street probably somewhere and see, you know, a line full of Confederate flags or see, you know, all these different images or symbols or different kinds of ways that people treat each other. And it's so obvious that there's racism, right? Like we talk about other, and we do this so much, Jeremy, in California. We're speaking from California right now in San Diego. This is where we're at, you know, and it happens a lot because we'll look at other places. I hear this from my friends all the time. Oh, well, it's not as bad as it is over there. Like, oh, yeah, maybe we have things here, but it's not as bad as it is in that state. Or I used to live here and it's not. And so I, I started to really wonder about that. And I was like, is it, though? Or are we, like, being duped into thinking that it's it's not as bad, but maybe there's something going on that we're just not really aware of, right? And so I was just kind of giving some examples. And I think one of our friends even brought up just how she realized in her experience growing up, like, oh, my gosh, there was a lot of you know, microaggressions and racial biases growing up that I experienced or that my friends experienced, but I didn't really realize it because it wasn't as explicit yeah. as I had seen on TV or in movies or again in other parts of the country. So therefore I just didn't deem it as being racist or as being racism. And so then you kind of, again, coined the term of like, so you're basically telling me that this is like high fu- functioning racism. And I think that's where it kind of came from of just realizing, okay, high functioning racism is when it's kind of like you can cover it up well enough where people won't realize it. If you bring it up, people will be like, no, no, like that's not, that's not really racism. Like you're just making that up. But it's like, no, it really is. We're just not, again, we're not awakened to it. We're not aware of it. So that's kind of what yeah, we're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. And like it, when we were talking about this, it made me think of like historically, 
you know, Dr. King did all of that work in the South. Yeah. Where he's combating, you know, like literally you've got sheriffs with dogs on the leash, yes. you know, like they're, water hoses, the water hoses yes. they're beating people. And it's like, okay, this is, this is racism at its most blatant, most mm-hmm. obvious. And then he moved to Chicago um, for a couple of years and was doing work there. And if you read the history and re- read the interviews and stuff like that, he talked about how much harder it was to combat racism in Chicago hmm. because it wasn't the obvious form of, you know, like a KKK. Yeah, thing exactly. Going on. But it it's like, like, you can't live here. Geez, you can't buy a house redlining. in this neighborhood. Yeah, yes. exactly. And so it was more of like, well, this is just the way things are. Wow, now, people would still wow. be, and I wouldn't even call that high functioning. I'd call it probably less obvious. Right. But in the sense of like, it's not so blatant in your face, so therefore it's much harder to combat because people are like, well, we just like the way things operate here. We just yep. like the things. And yep. so you and I were talking about like, um, here in California, it can be very much the same way where it's like, there are not, I mean, there's still obvious examples of it, yes. but it, the, the problem that we see so much around us is that, okay, people just growing used to a way of life mm-hmm. that by its very nature and definition relegates or forces groups of people into situations where they're just not thriving they're just not like they're not resources aren't flowing to them uh they don't get to participate fully in all the economic opportunities or whatever or something like that and so it's like it's not blatant but it's still very much real and so like the the kind of the term we come up with is like high functioning in the same way like you know there's some there's some people who are alcoholics and it's like you know like they're passed out face down in the street you're like okay there's clearly a problem and then there's the alcoholics who are like they manage to hold on to a job and just every now and then they just explode every now and then have a dui and it's like okay it's like you 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 think you've got this under control and you're managing but it's really Really not still an issue yeah absolutely and so in this case let's start let's just start diving into okay like what let's come up let's let's talk about okay high functioning racism sure i'm going to throw out a term you tell me what it means what you think it means we're going to discuss it I think the best way to describe what high-functioning racism looks like is the term white-centeredness. Yeah. Um, That's a good way to say it. For people that are listening and that are taking this journey with us and stuff like that, though, let's let's define our terms and yeah. stuff like that. What is white-centeredness? How, how would we describe it, et cetera? Yeah, I think you and I were talking about this earlier, and I think like what you said that made it really clear, you know, because it's like it's easy when you, again, you grow up around this stuff, and as a you know person of color, you experience this, but then when you actually start putting a name to it, you're like, oh, okay, that's what it like really is. And I think you said it best is when it's there's an idea or a way of life, and we just normalize it as this is the way of life. So you know, and we'll give some specific examples of what that'll look like. But I think with white centeredness, it's basically okay, however white people do things or however white people see things, this is the way, this is the standard, and everything else is kind of like a unique experience or an add-on is kind of like the the other. But the way of white people and the way of white you know culture, this is the predominant thing, this is what's normal, quote-unquote. I can give a really specific example of like this in my own life. I think this is coming a lot, especially in culture right now, like with generation, like the next generation, Generation Z, Something we're talking about a lot is like standards of beauty. And so there's this word kind of floating around right now, like colonialism, which is like, and I didn't realize this, Jeremy, and it it honestly, when I just started studying this, like within the past couple months, I realized that most of my high school experience, I idolized and literally thought 
white women and white people were like the standard of beauty and everybody else was kind of like oh yeah like we're okay like you know white noses like i remember like hearing like how like a white person's nose was like the best kind of nose because it was like more fine and like small like you had, like people actually like, talked literally, about literally okay, this gotcha. was a thing gotcha. that i remember saying that i would talk about and like my friends and i would talk about because it was like that again this was the the kind of like again the word that's floating around a lot right now is colonialized beauty standards of beauty because it's like you just think that anything that's a, of european descent is is the most beautiful and i remember growing up kind of always comparing myself to my white counterparts and it wasn't until again like just most recently and, and within the past year that i started realizing like okay that's white centeredness and i've thrown this word at you before too like internalized racism which kind of follows along that too of like okay, the white culture, the white standard of beauty is the standard of beauty, and I'm less than that. I'm not going to measure up to that because I don't look like said white person. I don't have the features of said white person. So I think that's one example of white-centeredness. It plays out a lot within our you know, culture of media, the way that magazines look, the way that women are portrayed, and men too, is like, okay, if you don't look like a white person, then you're not as beautiful. If you don't have colored eyes, you're not as beautiful. If your hair isn't blonde, you're not as beautiful. And it's something that happens within colored communities communities all of the time and it's really interesting so and here's how i think about this like you want people to be proud of the way they look proud Absolutely. of the way they come and so like there i'm i don't know if anyone would be listening to our podcast that would think this but sure. let's, let's, let, there could be someone out there like so you're telling me that white people can't be proud of the way they look right, they and it's like right. no that's the problem is not that at all the problem is when you say my way of growing up is the only right way of growing up or, or you know like or the, the way, better way or is the better way yeah uh or like in the sense of or like the way my people look is the right way to look and everything else needs to play off of that or aspire yes. to that yes so it's not like we're not saying that and once again we're not saying that one is right and one is wrong we're saying it's like what we've what we've seen happen here is that because predominantly the historical narrative of the United States has always been Eurocentric, you know. Yes. Uh, and we've ignored other storylines. Story and because of all the economic and media and all that stuff has always kind of flowed through um, your people of European descent, that the either explicit or implicit um, way of doing things has always been, okay, how white people do it yes. is the right the way of white, doing the things. The right way, every, the better way. Yeah, yes. exactly. Which creates then a real problem of, Everything else has to, like you said, play off of that or aspire to that. Yes, sir. And so then that creates real issues because Absolutely. now this is where we bring in the Jesus part of it. You can't deny the humanity mm. or the value of a person or rank it in comparison to something else. Exactly. So if we if, if we as Jesus followers are like, okay, every person has value yeah, and every person matters right. and every person as they are created, reflects the goodness and glory of God, then you can't start ranking things in comparison to each other. Absolutely. So, like, uh, and this is where I'm going to start to be like, okay, now you take over. Hannah, sure, sure. So, like, take the idea that all people are created in the, all people groups yeah. are created in the image of God and apply it to standards of beauty. Like, yeah. What does that mean then? Like, how, how should we think about that? What does that look like? That's good. Jeez. I think, like, the first thing would be, like you're saying, we ha we have to come to this playing field that, again, all people, because we're created in the image of God, naturally inherit 
beauty. We all we have a beauty about us. There's a perfection. There's a glory within every human being of every color of every people group, and that's where we start. That's the basis. Is like all people are beautiful because we're made in the image of God. And I think when it comes specifically to issues of, of racism and issues of you know again the standards of beauty, I mean as a as a woman of color, this is something that's very personal because I've had to come to a lot of realizations of like okay just because. I see, you know, white women on TV more. There was even a time, Jeremy, where like I remember going up to my mom, like as a child, and being like, "This is gonna sound so strange, but it, it makes sense now that I'm older." I'm like, "Okay, I get what I was trying to say." I was like, "Mom, do you ever think that like white people are just like people, like they're the people, and then all the rest of us are like the extras?" And she was like, "What are you talking?" But she knew what I was saying. It was like. I, I would see so many white people on TV. I remember growing up with Hannah Montana, Lizzie McGuire. Like, these were my favorite TV shows. These were the women I thought were beautiful, you know? Yeah. And yeah. they're all white women, right? And then the, the side character was always, you know, the Latino friend. Oh, yeah, <laughs> The black yeah. best friend yes. trope, right? And so the standard of beauty was like, okay, the black girl, the, the Latina girl who's the best friend of the white character is, like, not as beautiful. She's just not as stylish as the white character. And so I think, like... For me, that played in a huge like way that I saw myself of like, okay, I will never be as beautiful as my best friend. I had a, uh, some best friends growing up that were more fair skinned than I, that were thinner than I, that had different body shapes than I. And I was always like, I'll never be as beautiful as her because she looks more like, you know, blank, blank, blank. And there were always, now that I look back, I'm like, it was always comparing myself to this standard of a white woman, the standard of how these white people look, I'll never be as good as that because that's what the media is telling me over and over again. This is what beauty looks like. This is what perfection looks like. So when it comes to Jesus, it's like obviously all of that is not true. Again, that doesn't yeah. take away from any white woman's beauty at all. Again, the basis of this is we are all beautiful. Yes. So as a woman of color, I have to come into that realization in a very personal way and almost make a peace with myself and my own you know, beauty and my own looks and being like, just because I don't look like my white friends, and yes, they are very beautiful, doesn't mean I'm any less than beautiful. My standards and the way that I look are just as special because I'm made by a very, you know, I'm made by God. I'm made by a, an important person who made both my white friends and my black friends and saw that both were good. And that's a, that's a piece you have to make with yourself, right? And, and so I'm thinking about this in, okay, like, not only just in terms of beauty, but in terms of also of like, what counts as real or what counts as acceptable and so yeah. like, uh this has happened a couple times it happened a couple months ago um it, it's, it's happened at least two or three other sure. times it's not that. but there was a there was an incident where a um a high school student was getting ready to enter into a wrestling match right a uh, high school wrestling match and the referee uh once again i'm not a wrestler so i don't sure, i think i think it's called sure, a referee sure, sure, or something sure. like that it's like it's like hey if you want to compete, you're going to have to get rid of your dreadlocks. Yeah. Like, they're at the actual, actual match. Not, like, school. three weeks in advance yeah. that you had. No, like, they're at the match. Yeah. Like, And so the high school uh, player uh, – this has happened a couple instances, so I might be merging some of these stories. But, wow, like, wow. in one instance, like, decided, well, I want to compete. So they, like, shaved his head. Yeah. And and the, the, the idea being – that dreadlocks are unacceptable, unprofessional, or unprofessional, un or yeah, dirty, yeah, whatever, gross. whatever the term yeah. is. But basically, like, I have no idea what that has to do with being a wrestler. Yeah, I have no idea what that has to do with being able to compete. Wow. And so wow. the idea being like, well, you're not meeting the standard. Well, what's the standard? Right. The standard had been established by people who never had to think about dreadlocks, dreadlocks. never had to worry about dreadlocks. Yeah. You don't have dreadlocks. So the idea is, and once again, okay, our standard, what is normal for us, which is no dreadlocks, right. 
is now not only is it normal for us, but now we're saying it's the only, it's the right way and it's, it's the, the right only way, way. and yeah. therefore we're imposing this upon someone else and yes. saying you, you have, have to, to be like you this. have to change to be like us in order for it to be Jeez. okay or right. Yeah, that's and it, I want to take this off of an intellectual area yeah. and, and make it like a a personal in the sense of like when we do this, like imagine that high school boy, okay? Yeah. What is he being told and what is being reinforced to him? Who you are and the way you look doesn't cut it. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't speak for the world, but as Jesus followers, that's the most like anti-gospel message oh, ever. Like you know, like, wow. like wow. as Jesus followers, we have to. It's not just enough to know that white centeredness exists. We have to be anti and actively working against it because it undercuts the very thing that we say is foundational to our belief. Jesus Christ came to die for all of us, to forgive us of all our sins, and then to renew all things, yeah. to restore to us yeah. a relationship with Jesus. We are in the business of joining Jesus in the renewal of this world. Yeah. And so when we see someone, we're like, you are loved and accepted yeah. by Jesus Christ. You do not have to change your physical appearance or yeah. anything about you in order to be loved. Yeah. Like like the, the most basic Christian yes. message is God loves you. Not God loves some different version of you. Not God loves you when you're able to either look or act or be a certain way. Yeah. And so it's when we when we when we hear the ter- topic white centeredness, I know a lot of people get offended by that. And yeah. by, by a lot of people, I'm thinking of white people, they're like, they take it as a personal attack. attack. Well, you're attacking me, you're attacking my culture, you're attacking, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's it's not that you're being attacked. It's that it's like we're pointing out something that's harmful and bad. An issue. Yeah. Yeah. And when we don't address it, it hurt it hurts other people. It has bad effects. So it's yeah. not like I'm telling you you can't like certain foods or you can't want to dress a certain way, yeah. you can't look a certain way. Do I'm what just you saying do. Yeah. I'm saying but... you can't take what you like and yes. then say everybody else this is the only that thing way. that's right. This is that's the only so thing that's good. good. This is the only thing that's, that's right. So good. Um, you had mentioned something about, and this is something that, after you told it to me, I I, I looked it up and I was like, oh my, oh my goodness, I did not know this was so widespread so and so prevalent. Yeah. Pre- yeah. Prevalent. Talk to me again and walk me through like, okay, how white centeredness is literally a life and death matter yeah. for African American women yeah. who are pregnant. Yeah, so this is something that was interest, kind of introduced yeah. to me too, because I had heard of stories growing up of women, you know, particularly black women or women of color, being afraid of going to the hospital. And I never really understood it growing up as a kid, because I just never had that fear. I was very privileged. I just never like felt like that was something I needed to be aware of. But when I started hearing more stories, I was like, oh my gosh, this is something that's like very, very common. It's not just this unique, like once rare experience. There's a lot of women who feel this way. And when it comes to specifically pregnant women, I don't, I didn't read all the specificities of it, but there were even a couple celebrity women that came out with their stories. I want to say it was Serena Williams and Beyonce that they had some really interesting experiences while they were hospitalized for their pregnancies that like they recognized as, oh my gosh, I'm like being treated less than there are being, there are microaggressions with within the healthcare system because I'm a woman of color, because I'm black. And these are celebrities. Like these are yeah. women who are like, they have a high power. They are influencers. They should be getting praised. the VIP treatment. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, they even have their own stories of like, no, like I experienced microaggressions. I experienced white centeredness 
in a hospital setting. So life or death, it's interesting because I had a friend um, who works in a hospital and she she had some of her uh, clients, patients who were telling her, you know, they were rejecting different meds from uh, the doctors. They weren't taking certain things that the doctors were giving them. And she was just so like, you know, confused and hurt, like wondering like, okay, you know, you realize you have to have this kind of treatment. Like this is really important for you. And I guess there was, you know, a, a patient that came out to me and said, yeah, like there was a time where, you know, someone in my family um, ended up getting some really bad surge surgery and ended up like becoming like, I, I hate to use the word like vegetable because I, I know it's not really the proper word, but like uh, couldn't, it didn't have any more like bearings, like just lost okay. like basic consciousness, like essentially it was just like a person without any thoughts, like just, you know, can yeah. move and stuff, but didn't have any real consciousness. And it was because of this really poor surgery and this poor handling from a doctor, a medical professional that had promised to take care of this person. So now this is like, this person was telling their history. This is someone in their, their family line. So this travels on through each generation yeah. of, hey, that happened to this person in our family, so be careful with doctors. This is a common story among African-American women, African-American men. Like this is a common story that goes on of like, yeah, I was treated really badly when I went to that hospital. I was treated really badly when I went to that chiropractor. I got really weird meds when I went over here, like pregnant women. I got really weird, you know, treatments from my nurses and my babies were handled in a different way than I would have wanted because I'm a person of color, because I'm black. And so I think white centeredness is not just a self-esteem issue, right? Because that's yeah. kind of what the first examples were, yeah. which is important and it's totally matters, but it's it also can be very like, like you said, life or death in a hospital setting black people, black women, black men being treated differently by healthcare professionals. And it was so interesting. I even read something where um, there was a woman, she went to the hospital and she was telling her doctor, you know, some kind of treatment she needed. And her doctor was like, oh no, like, I'm not going to give you that treatment. Like you don't need it. And then she went back and said, okay, well, I need you to document that, that you're not going to give me this treatment that I asked you to give me. And then as soon as she said that her doctor was like, okay, well, actually, yeah. And it was like, wow, like that was a perfect example of like this woman, black woman sitting in a hospital needing a treatment, her doctor denying that treatment. We've even heard stories of, of you know, women going into labor or, or having surgery and not getting as much of the like uh, pain meds to keep the pain out because yeah. there's this trope yeah. of like, oh, strong black woman, she'll be fine. Women, you know, black women are strong. They, they don't need as much help. This goes way back, Jeremy. This is like some history that would take like forever to explain, but there there is so much, um, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the term like voyeurism or like, um, like that kind of term so yeah, what's interesting I'm familiar with the term but where, okay, where are you taking so it though this is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that i don't know i couldn't give you the time period but there are there are accounts of photographers going to places in like uh africa or places where there are you yes. know colored women indigenous women and taking pictures so it's called i want to say it's called um like explorative voyeurism or i can't think of the word the the first word that comes before voyeurism but essentially what it is is these photographers of european descent going into other countries, taking pictures and videos of colored women, indigenous women ha giving birth, right? Yeah. And the way that these women would give birth was so different than the way that European women were giving birth. Obviously, yeah. again, this comes back to what you're saying, the white, the white way is the right way. Yeah. So these European doctors, these European photographers, videographers, whatever, would see black women giving birth and realizing that the birth was so different that they were, you know, they didn't have the same kind of treatment that, you know, European women were giving. And so they would label them as being like just monsters and beasts and being able to like handle like, you know, oh my God, the way that they're doing this is so like, 
ugh, like it's gross, like it's 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 uh it's almost animalistic, right? This is traveled. Yes. yes. This is traveled all the way throughout yeah. history into now, where it's like doctors and and again, this is just very general. I'm not talking about all doctors, but medical professionals having this idea of okay, black women are animals. Black women can handle more than white women can. They're they're less. They need less care, less treatment, less affection because of this black strong woman trope that has carried down literally from this explorative voyeurism all the way to where we are now. Well, I remember in the book um, Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram uh, Kendi, and he, he basically just traces like racist thought throughout the history, history of the U.S. Yeah. And, and he, he devotes a significant portion of not like it's not like a major thing in the book, but yeah. it's definitely a, a big section where he talks about, yeah, this idea that we're me- medical professionals for – uh, even, I mean, it's still up to today, but for at one point in time, like it was like just established quote unquote medical fact that African Americans had a much higher pain tolerance. Yes. And the idea was because. I grew up hearing that my whole life. And it was like, yeah. okay, it was like, and it was used partially to say, and this is why they can be slaves. Yes. Because it's like they yes. were, they were made and designed to do to super do hard this. work out in the field, yes. et cetera. Yes. yes. And so uh, there, the book details and talks about, yeah, like them like, doctors and medical professionals doing surgeries on african-american women and with like no anesthetic and stuff like that being like see like like almost like as a demonstration of the yeah. doctors, like like we're it, it's it's actually really horrific oh it's uh, horrible uh, it's really tragic and yet that idea still exists today that idea in still, microaggressions yeah. yes to in a smaller form which is what we're talking about with the high functioning racism yes you're not going to see a doctor like okay oh. hey guys like with a group of interns yeah. i'm not going to give this black woman as much like you know pain meds when she's going to surgery no, you're not going to hear that, but you'll see that in the yeah. way that the treatment, the treatment plan. It's like yeah. I even had a friend, and I'll give this last example. I had a friend who was, you know, in the hospital, pregnant, black woman, and she needed to be in bed rest. Like there was a point where it was like, you do not need to leave your bed. That's how bad this pregnancy yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife had that with our first child for a couple. Yeah, of and it's a real end. thing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And the doctor was like, no, no, no. Like she's fine. Well, this woman ended up passing her babies like her babies were miscarried and it was so interesting because she looks back and she's like no i think the reason my babies like a big part of why this happened was because i wasn't given the right treatment because i was told oh you'll be fine you're strong you'll figure it out like literally whether those words came out directly like that or not that was the impression she got and that was the treatment she got this is a real this is 2020 like this is still happening Well, because once again like most people don't operate every decision they make with like Here's why I'm making this decision. Exactly. You know, it's, it's reflexive. It's uh, instinct and stuff like that. And so when you have bad ideas in your head and they're unexamined, yeah. and then you operate from those ideas, even if you're not in being like, I'm intentionally trying to harm someone, I'm intentionally trying to do something bad, then the result, though, can still be bad. So yeah. I, I, I see this like I'm not going to mention any names at sure, all. Sure, sure. Um, but I've, I've seen recently some political advertisements that are like, hey, you need to be really worried about the suburbs. You don't want poor people coming into the suppers. Yeah. Well, what's the what's – the imp- I mean, shoot, that's not even implicit. That's just yeah, straight up. that's explicit. Like, but the idea being right. like oh – The God. idea being poor people – are by their very nature criminal, and if they live next to you, it's going to destroy your way of life. Right. And so, like you, if you start to think that though, if you start to have that that line reasoning in your head, yeah, it's going to affect the way that you treat people. It's going to way that you view them. And so, Absolutely. bringing this back again to Jesus, like we have to consciously 
remind ourselves over and over again, like, okay, I, I am someone who is loved by God. I am someone who's loved by Jesus. And so is everyone else I meet. I need to treat them as a potential brother or sister in Christ. Remembering that his love for them is the same as mine because otherwise the, this dominant standard narrative leads to high functioning racism. It leads to this idea of like, well, my way of life is my way of life. And it's better. And I don't want anything impeding that. I don't want any, you know, and so if someone else has to suffer for that, well, yeah. that's just the way it is. Absolutely. And which is like, okay, we cannot have that. We cannot. Yeah. Um, so so let's let's leave people with something that's like, okay, like something to do with all this. Yeah, absolutely. How do you specifically and on a regular basis yeah, address. address this? Like the you because yeah. it's not like it's not like once again, like you see the you see the guy with the confederate flag you know screaming at somebody's like, okay, okay that's an obvious example don't be that guy yeah but what we're talking about is much more subtle much more like so like pr- pretend like you're you know i'm, I'm okay I'm, i am a white male yeah i don't think a whole lot about black standards of beauty yeah asian standards of beauty yeah. you know hispanic standards of beauty what can i actually do yeah to make it better to make to make the world better like what what would you say what would you advise man that's a great question i was actually thinking about that while you're talking yeah. i think the first step is going to have to be really watching your own behaviors and thought processes because ultimately, Jeremy, what we're talking about, you know, the way we could label this, the good word is microaggression Um, because we have these microaggressions, these implicit biases even that we don't even really realize that that's what they are. Like they're, they're just thoughts that we have, right? Like you have a thought again, back to like standards of beauty. Um, it will the dreadlock example, you know, I, I remember there was a time where, um, I went through kind of like this, I guess a wig phase, you could call it. And okay. I had, I had bought a wig and I was like obsessed with this wig. Right. So I like went back and forth between wearing like my hair out and like having my hair done and then putting on this wig. And I remember my friends were so uncomfortable by this. And it was so interesting to me because I mean, in black culture, it's very normal for women to wear wigs, to get weaves, to get your hair done. Like, it's not a big deal. So for me, I was like, this is just, it is what it is. Like, it's not a big deal. It's a wig. I like the way it looks, whatever. But I remember my friends were so uncomfortable by it. And it was because my friends were just not used to it. They weren't used to, they don't wear wigs. They weren't used to seeing women who wore wigs. This is in the area that I was in was, there was not a lot of black women, not a lot of black people. So it was very like interesting and different. Right. Okay. And so I think like, you know, none of them came out right and said like, okay, we're really uncomfortable that you're wearing a wig. You know, nobody said that to me, but it was the way the questions that they asked or like, well, why are you wearing that? Or like, what's your reasoning behind that? Like, you know, oh yeah, you know, I like you better with your normal hair. Like things like that. (laughs) I got you. That it's like, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think you realize this, but you're being really like racist right now. Like, I don't think you're yeah. trying to be, you know, and I get that it, it's different. It's new, but we have to really start being aware of like, okay, when we see somebody, you know, as a, you're talking about from a white person, you know, yeah. looking at another culture, a black person, an Asian person, a Latino person, and they're living their life, doing their thing. And it's different. We just have to make the reconciliation in our brain that different doesn't equal less than. It doesn't equal yes. bad. And even yes. though we can maybe say that to ourselves right now, maybe someone's listening and they're like, well, duh, like I don't think anything different than me is bad. But it's the it's again, it's those microaggressions, yeah. those implicit biases. And I think even as a woman of color myself, I have these things, again, kind of going back to internalized racism, that I realize that I'm like a little judgy about within my own culture and my own race and the way I look and my standards of beauty. That again, I have to check myself too. Okay, wait. 
am I like questioning that because I'm genuinely curious or am I like judging that because I'm, I'm actually trying to weigh it out or am I like literally just being like microaggression towards this? I mean, do I have some kind of bias? Yeah. And I, it's really interesting. That's actually, that's really good because that brings up a, I mean, we've mentioned it several times already on this podcast, but the idea of like, we've got to get out of this ranking system mindset. Yes. And like, labeling too. Yeah. Like ranking. So, so in the sense of like, it's not only in my mind, and I'm kind of I'm working this out in real time. Sure, as I'm sure. It's like okay, it's not just that we need to look at like white is not better. Yes. It's stop trying to figure out what's better. Period. Yes. You know, it's just like just eliminating. Yeah. Unless yes. we're talking about something that's a, a direct like sin issue, like someone yeah. hurting someone else or something yeah. like that. Like we can let cultures be cultures. Wow, without, that's profound. Without having to um, to rank them. Yeah, without having to rank them, without having to be like, okay, like that's so good. You know, I mean, I mean, that's I, it. I, you hit this it, is going to yeah. be this is I don't know. I'm probably going to stick my foot in my mouth here, but it's like we already do this with food. Oh yeah. You know, it's like oh yes. Like I, I mean, I don't know about you, but like All I eat food from so many different cultures, yeah. but it's just like well, I, because it freaking tastes good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Thai food is amazing. Yes, you know, yes, uh, soul food is amazing. Yes. Cajun food is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Italian food is amazing. Right. I don't have to um, be like, well, because of who I am, I can't eat this or this is better or superior. It's like you know, and so in the same way, like if we can if we can do that with food, why can't we do that with all the other, other parts? And just yeah. be like, hey, let's accept this for what it is and admire it, yeah. enjoy it, respect it, celebrate it, make Absolutely. room for it, as opposed to what you're talking about yeah. ranking it and yeah. deciding what's better and what like. There's only I love what you yeah. said right now with the there's only a few things we can be ranking like you're talking about yeah. with like sin and stuff like yeah. these are some things that we need to like point out and be like hey that's not good hey that, yeah. but culture I think what we have to really understand is culture is one of those things that's so from the heart of God that's so redeemed you know going back yeah. to the Jesus focus yeah. Jesus came and redeemed all things the blood yes. covers all things yes. the cross renews all things yes. culture included and Absolutely. what we've seen so preached whether it was implicit yeah. or explicit within our systems of the way we do church the way we do ministry the way we preach Jesus is yeah everything's redeemed but culture just put that to the side because the only thing that matters is your identity in christ and yeah. it's like now we've thrown away everyone's culture because we just want everybody to just fit into this box because well, that people take that people take that one verse out of context yeah. where he's like you know there is no jew uh, or gentile, gentile slave, slave free, free male yeah. and female and it's like no we're not saying that those things no longer exist because clearly male female still exist clearly it's you know all these thing. things exist what we are saying is that those are no longer rankings. Yes. That that like that, that doesn't in, yeah. make you better. You can't yeah. use your culture as a way to better who you are. Like yeah. your culture doesn't make you better because you're black, because you're white. You're not mm -hmm. a better person because of these things. You're not better because you're male or female. These are just things that these are who you are and they're all beautiful and they're all honored and they're all celebrated and they all deserve the same type of respect and they're all redeemed. And so again, back yeah. to what you said, I think what you said was so profound and I wish, I hope that gets hung on to and that yeah. gets preached more. There's no ranking when it comes to culture. There's yeah. just no room for that. That's not one of those things we need to rank or label. It just, it is what it is. It deserves to be honored and celebrated and that's it, period. And I think about, once again, as Jesus followers, we're supposed to model what heaven's going to look like. You know, exactly. we're supposed to be the foretaste of the age to come. We're supposed to be the alternative community, all that kind of good stuff. Well, based on this in heaven, it's not going to be a monolith. It's yeah. not going to be, uh, we all act and think the same way based on everything that I, I see and read in scripture. 
we're still going to have variety. We're still going to have different ways of doing things. Like, like even going back to the Genesis creation account, like God created tons of diversity yeah. in the way he made the universe. Yeah. That's not going away. Yeah. So let's fight to make it a good thing. Let's yes. fight to make it uh, an, a recognized thing versus trying to fit. Yeah. Once again, trying to be like, well, we've got to make it all this way. All this way. It's like, no, because in heaven, it's not going to be all anyway. The only thing that's going to be like, all we're all participating in this is celebrating and worshiping the love of God for everything. Yeah. Like that's about the only thing that's going to extend everything. Everything yeah. else is going to be like, yeah, you can make it different. different. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's so good. let's recap just a sure. Is it? So, high-functioning racism is basically white-centeredness. Yes. White-centeredness is taking the white way of doing things and saying it's either the only way, the, the right best way, way or yeah. the right way. Yep. And making no, and then saying everything else has to fit around that, wow. underneath that, or in that. Yeah. One step towards combating that, one step towards getting rid of that is to stop ranking, period. Yeah. And to say, okay... In all of these things, God's power and work is displayed. Yeah. So we're going to love and celebrate it all as being it. good from yes, God. Yes, that's awesome. Uh, every week, we always want to throw out some sort of resource, resource or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have one for us today? Yes. I mean, man. Okay. Well, first, I would just say, like, as far as like a reflection question, I, that'll be my first resource. <laughs> Um, I would challenge our listeners, whether you're white, Latino, Asian, you know, uh, black, whatever, indigenous, like go home and really spend enough time, two things. One, especially if you're a person of color, spend some time reconciling this idea that culture is good for yourself. Like just spend some time recognizing as a black person, my culture is good. My color is good. My hair is good. Like just spending time, like kind of like that self-talk, I would say like, that would be the first step I would I would recommend to people of color. Um, and then I would say just for all of our listeners to spend some time really recognizing in our own you know lives where maybe we've we've started doing this ranking thing, you know, because that's that was really powerful. I don't think we were realizing how powerful that was that how you said that. And I think that's worth taking some time throughout the week of like, man, have I been ranking culture? Like, have I been ranking ways of doing life? You know, because it's yeah. very implicit. It's something that we don't maybe even realize. So I would challenge our listeners to spend some time this week reflecting on that and, and even asking Holy Spirit, hey, you know, I've been made aware of this. Am I doing this in my life? Are there ways that I can stop doing this? Is there ways that I can gently call out the people in my life who are doing this? Like, help me figure out how to now take this information and apply it daily. So I think reflection would be something that I would recommend to our, our followers today. I love it. That yeah. is a great resource action step. Perfect. All right, well, I think that wraps it up for this episode of the Mind and Matter podcast. Once again, everyone, like, share, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. We'll see you next time. See you guys.